dive right on in. When you think about sexuality and Christianity, those are two words that rhyme that typically don't go together like we learn on Sesame Street. So tell me a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in the space of being a sex coach that speaks to women that have a Christian background. Yes. Well, I grew up in a very, very strict Southern Baptist background. And so we could not watch, you know, movies that had any sex in it, cussing. Uh, if there was a song that was playing on the movie that had, you know, suggestive material in it, my mom would censor all of that. And so we were very guarded and protected growing up. My mom, I know, thought she was doing a good job. But what that did for me was as I started to come into my own as a woman and I started my period and I started to feel attraction towards boys, if I had questions and I would ask them, the way that she responded was such a nightmare. It made me actually feel afraid of talking to her. It made me feel uncomfortable because she always lost it. She would react with, what? Where did you hear that? I'm going to go talk to their mom. Oh, my gosh. And it was just this, like, exploding <laughs> mom that would happen. And um, that just made me question so many things. It made me feel so uncomfortable with myself, with my body. And because we were in the church all the time, Wednesday night, Sunday, Sunday night, we'd go to church camp, like all of the things. And my mom also had me signed up to watch uh, kids during like uh, their kids meetings. So I was like really, really involved. And her family was missionary. So we have like a really long line of, you know, churchgoers and, um, and uh, trying to talk to people about God and stuff like that. And so I just really felt um, guilt and shame around all of these thoughts that were coming into me. And I didn't understand them and I had nobody to talk to. It was the worst feeling ever to have no one. And to, and to feel guilty about, um, like, you know, getting horny and wanting to touch myself, but being told I shouldn't touch myself and not being told why and um, that it was a sin. All I heard was it's a sin. It's wrong. God doesn't approve. Um, you know, you don't want to miss out on heaven. And so I was constantly under this feeling of what if I lose my salvation and there's only heaven and hell and I know I don't want to go to the bad place. <laughs> and so right. I, I did everything I could to just be a good girl and I wouldn't go to parties. I said no when people offered me drugs and they just knew like, don't even ask Heather. She's just going to say no. <laughs> um, but then what happened, this is, this is actually like the beginning of <laughs> the explorative stage is my parents got divorced. Uh -huh. and, yeah. And my mom moved us in with her boyfriend, Tasha, and I knew they were having sex. I knew it. Right. Yeah. And I said to my mom, why are you guys having sex when you told me 
that we're not supposed to have sex before marriage and you guys aren't married. And she said to me, well, it's different because I already have been married. And I said, how is that different? You can't like twist scriptures just to please yourself. Like that just doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah. And so because like I was super confused, I went into like this um, defiant mode and I had a boyfriend at that time that I was already saying no to. And I was like, hey, buddy, like I just found out my mom is totally having sex and I'm going to break the rules, too. Like if she's not going to abide by them, I'm not going to abide by them. And so that was my first sexual experience at 17. And from there, I just like went gangbusters on the sex stuff. Like I was hiding it all the time. I got into porn and I watched a lot of freaking porn. And I thought it was going to be a really good teacher, which it was for a while until I discovered as an adult that it's all fake (laughs) um, stuff. But like, while I was younger and in that, like just getting to know my body phase, it actually worked out pretty well, you know, for me. Um, and so growing up, then I got married and, um, I actually was divorced the first time, have two boys from that previous marriage. And in that marriage, it was very abusive. And I actually thought that when I got married, I could just do whatever I want sexually. And I'm like, oh, here's the time when I can fully come out of myself and like come out of this cocoon or whatever and not feel guilty about it. Like now God approves. I'm like doing the air quotes. (laughs) God approves. You could do whatever you want. Well, I started to do what I wanted, but my ex-husband was like, what are you doing? Like, that's what whores do. That's what strippers on a pole do. That's not what, you know, good wives do. And so I very quickly like felt like I needed to stuff down all of this adventurous feeling inside of me because my own husband wasn't accepting of me in that way. And so it was a very oppressed uh, marriage that lasted for four years. Then I met my now husband, Chuck, and we've now been married for 20 years. We were sexless for 12. So we'll talk about that in a little while, I'm sure. But in the beginning, of course, we're definitely yeah, going to talk about that. How yeah. sex doesn't happen for a whole 12 years. Jesus. Oh, oh, my God. Jesus, please. So, yeah, like in the beginning of our marriage, I was still kind of like healing from that past abusive relationship. And so I, I still continue to stuff myself down for a long time, even though my husband never said anything like you shouldn't or you can't or nothing like that. It's just that. I had put myself so deep into this protective bubble so that I wouldn't get hurt and so that I would still be accepted and approved and loved on. And I feared people like leaving me, abandoning me. And so I just kept that part like down and like we did missionary and and doggy style. That was like pretty much it. (laughs) Um, And so then we had two miscarriages. We tried to have a baby um, by ourselves, like him and I. We had two miscarriages. I gained over 100 pounds and then I lost 100 pounds. Then we finally had Josh, our third son, who's almost going to be 17. And um, after like this is where the sexlessness started. So I don't know like where you want to stop me talking about my background. But um, basically after Josh was born and I was ready to like have sex, um, for some reason, Chuck wasn't interested. And Um, Still to this day, there's not a lot of opening up about it. Um, It's just that that started to go into the sexlessness. um, And it really wasn't until I was 44 
which was after we healed from the sexlessness part, where I truly was like starting to question my faith and everything I had been taught. And I ran across this scripture, Tasha, that says uh, it's Genesis 2.25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And when I read that, something unlocked inside of me. I was like, wait a minute. If God in his word says that the original design of how sex is supposed to be is without guilt, without shame, why has all the preachers from the pulpit been saying the total opposite? Why, when I got into a marriage with my ex-husband, was it all about his pleasure and not my pleasure? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't even hardly, disconnect. Yeah. I couldn't even hardly bring an orgasm down with my ex-husband. It was so awful. So that was like the beginning of me starting to give myself this permission to, you know, research and to fully start to um, unleash myself and just little baby steps just to see how it would feel and see if I would lose my salvation, see if I felt further away from God or closer to God. And obviously I got to the other side of that and I felt closer to God than ever before. And I feel like God was just waiting for me to actually discover this truth. And now I'm out here talking about it all the time and trying to help other women with the same unleashing of themselves. That is phenomenal. It truly is. And so much of your story resonates with me in that I also grew up in a very conservative Christian West Indian, all of the things, religion <laughs> and community. Yeah. It's essentially like a closed community. If you think about the Jewish um, community or the Catholic community in that um, we are self-sufficient as far as our own schools, hospitals and things of that nature. And so essentially, if we call it in uh, the Adventist bubble or the SDA bubble. So I finally escaped the SDA bubble when I graduated university um, quite a number of years ago. So what I would like to do is transition before we get into the 12 years of no sex, because to me, that needs a whole explanation. <laughs> before we get into that, I believe you and I kind of grew up at the same time as far as the purity movement. Yes. For me, the purity movement meant that I went to this thing where my mom told me it was going to be a fun outing for myself and my friends. And um, my mom knew that I loved music and that I loved to interact with my peers. So when she presented to me a flyer that had essentially my favorite, quote unquote, what I would say Jesus songs on it, and it had, you know, people that looked similar to myself, I said, sure, let's go. Listen, it was a trap, Heather. <laughs> I get to this um, quote unquote workshop or what I thought was going to be like a praise service concert type thing. I get to it, my friends and I, and it's about 12 of us. She has decided to take the Pathfinder van, which the Pathfinders, for those who don't know, is something similar to Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, but it's where um, both genders are and you do the same thing as far as having badges and merits. You have camps and all of the things. But the point I'm getting to is, so my mom filled up the Pathfinder van with girls about my age around 14 to 17 years. 
So we get there, we park in the parking lot. My mom says, okay, everyone, before we go in, let's pray, which is something that, as you know, as a Christian, you do before you get to anywhere or go anywhere, you always have to pray. So we unload out of the van and then we hear the music booming on the speakers and we all look at each other like, oh, there's going to be boys here. This is going to be so fun. Heather. (laughs) We walk into the place and it's all of this smoke, right? And we are thinking like, this is going to be so cool. As soon as we get there, we are handed t-shirts And then we are handed um, basically a goodie bag. And so we're kind of looking at it, but we can't really get to what is in it because of the fog and also because of the lighting. So we're busy basically being distracted by all of the sounds and the auditory, the auditory and visual things that are going on. Fast forward about 15 minutes. That's when we realize we have been tricked and duped. Someone comes out on stage and says, hey, everybody, is everyone having fun? And everybody screams, "Woo!" next thing I know, they're like, yes. So when you think about sex, what are you thinking about? I felt my face flush because at this time, while I had kind of thought about sex, I hadn't really gotten to the place where I was interested in exploring it per se. So when I heard that, I looked over at my mom. Meanwhile, my mom is doing everything to not give me eye contact. And so then I'm like, what did you bring us to? And she doesn't answer. She acts like it's the music or whatever have you. And so what goes on is there is a play. In the play, um, there are there is a young woman who looks about my age who comes out on the stage. And then she has a young man that comes out on the stage. They hold hands. And then there is words in the background that says, boy meets girl and what happens? <laughs> and then boy meets girl. And then all of a sudden it's dun, 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 dun. And now all of a sudden the stage is black and red. And then you start to hear all of this music and it's not sounding like it's positive music. All of a sudden it's as if we are in the midst of some type of horror movie and we're like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, what is going on? And then you start to hear a heartbeat is dun, 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 dun. And that is the heart of God. And that is who you hurt if you choose to have sex out of marriage. Wow. So imagine yourself being a teen thinking that you're going to go do something that's fun with your friends. And now all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where you are being basically inundated and programmed to believe that you are specifically hurting the heart of God mm-hmm. if you choose to explore your sexuality outside of marriage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then we, this is a whole thing that takes place for over two hours. There's various different skits and plays. At the end of it, there is a contract and the, the lights all of a sudden turn up and then uh, there's a pin and there's a ring in a box and it says a Bible verse on it. And it says, sign it. And essentially says that I am going to abstain from all forms of sex outside of marriage because my body belongs to the Lord and it's a temple. And I do not want to 
put other people into God's temple that should be my husband. Because whenever I sleep with anybody else that is not my husband, what I am doing is now I'm sleeping with everybody that that person has slept with and all of the emotional and spiritual baggage that they have, I now bring to the marriage bed. And if I should fall some sort of way and end up in sex and in sin, then I am no longer going to be a viable candidate for marriage. Mm -mm. So what did you do with that back then? Back then I was scared into submission. Mm -hmm. I had yet to have any kind of real sexual experience outside of just my curiosity. I mean, I had seen a couple porns, you know, that my uh, that were laying around the house. And um, back then it was VHS tape. So I had to put it back <laughs> to the exact spot, you know, or else I would get found out. You know how old I am. But um, the point of the matter is I felt immediately guilty about all forms of sex. Everything now became fornication or sexual inappropriateness or um, wrong displays or overt displays, displays of public um, displays of defection or PDA that I wanted to avoid at all costs because I wanted to be pure and I wanted to be considered to be worthy of a husband and worthy of God's love. Hmm. So meanwhile, while I had been raised to believe that I should be married and that sex should be sacred, um, to marriage, this um, seminar that my mom took me to, it was called the silver ring thing. Mm -hmm. And that basically sealed the deal for me at that time. And so I was able to go along with the quote unquote okie doke until I got to university. And then it was like my sophomore year when I started to experience experiment sexually, but I still didn't have any kind of emotional intelligence to really communicate my needs sexually. Right. I was basically just there for the pleasure of the man. And that foolishness continued until deep into my 30s, where I thought the whole purpose of sex was to get a man to orgasm. But that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's, that's what I was taught also. The same thing. Now, I didn't have to go to a, a thing like you did, an event, but everything that you just said, I was told. Uh, right. I was told from the pulpit, you know, when our parents would take it. Well, not my dad, because my dad's Jewish and his whole family, and he came on uh, Easter and um, Christmas. Outside of that, my mom was the one that took us to, to church all the time. So I heard that when we would go into big people church, you know, with my grandparents and everything. And then in youth group, when we would have um, the message time, they were also sharing that same message. Meanwhile, all of us girls and guys that are in there are looking at each other and like kind of flirting, mm -hmm. like right. kind of flirting. Yeah. While the youth pastor is talking. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I understand like um, the feeling of um, like the submission part of it because, you know, it's it's this fear. It's like a fear tactic. And granted, like I'm still a born again Christian. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, where you are at with that. But um, I know a lot of women that I talk to that go through an experience like you 
Um, a lot of them have actually totally walked away from the church. Uh, for myself, I have felt God from a very young age inside my heart. And so I do feel the realness of him. Uh, for me, it's just that the, the type of way that scripture is talked about uh, from people that don't fully understand how to talk about it in a way that makes a person not feel fear and makes a person uh, still feel comfortable with the sexual experience once they do get married. So I just feel like the pastors need to get some training in the how they talk about you know the scripture because not only does this stuff come up with sex, but it also comes up with child you know raising where a lot of uh, Christian men in the church think that their women are supposed to stay at home and take care of the house. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. So Ooh, but what about that homegirl in the Bible that is getting up at the dark and she is planting seeds? Yeah, and she, has, she has a business. That, that's <laughs> the, yeah, that's the Proverbs 31 woman. She has, right. she has a literal business. So yeah, what about that lady that is very respected in all of town? Like, can we talk more about that lady, you know? Instead right. of like only the men go to work and the women stay home and you're barefoot and pregnant and you submit to everything your man wants to do. I mean, that's a, a crap. Like, that's just BS. Like, that whole thing is just stupid. Um, and it even says in the Bible that we're supposed to submit unto one another, which means that you respect one another. You sit down, have conversations. You talk about, you know, oh, is that your baby? That we talk about the stuff that we want to do sexually. We talk about you know, how we want to uh, do our money. We talk about how we raise kids and it's equal. Like that's, that's how God intended it to be. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing I did want to talk about is when it comes to Christianity and the idea that as women, like you were talking about, we are supposed to submit fully when it comes to sex, it seems like even in marriage, there is still a lot of things that even Christian women don't feel like they can actually explore, even though they are married. Have you experienced any of that with your clients? I've experienced that myself. <laughs> that was actually me for a really long time. Yeah, because um, I thought that I couldn't have anal sex. I thought that I couldn't turn on like sexy sounding music and do a strip tease or do a lap dance in front of my husband. Like I thought that it was just missionary and like this plain Jane kind of experience. And so even I held myself back for a really long time because, because of that. And that's why I relate to other women that are in that. Now I have broken free from that. I'm four years on the other side. I am fully released. <laughs> I have fully unleashed myself. And now if I want sex, I'm not waiting for my husband to initiate. I will initiate because I want it. And I right. and I'm horny and I want you to please me right now. So please go down on me. And uh -huh. thank God I have a husband that has no problems with a woman initiating. I know that there are some men that are like, whoa, whoa, Missy, you know, mm. so I know that there's still some of those guys that, that have some conditionings in them that need to be healed as well. But, you know, if you have a man that is open and wants to please his woman and then the woman wants to please his man, you can actually have a really amazing, you know, sex life uh, as a married couple. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And what I really appreciate about your story, Heather, and just you in general, is just your overall transparency. Because I feel like that's another issue that we faced in the Christian community. It's just this idea of secrecy. Like there is a code of silence that we feel like um, has to be had in order for us to be able to I don't know, even be accepted. It's like what happens in the house stays in the house. So when it comes to areas of intimacy, especially that's not something that we talk about after church, you yep. know, you know, when it's time for potluck. So I feel like there's oftentimes women that are suffering in silence, especially yes. as to their sexual needs, because there isn't really a platform for them to be able to speak freely. So that's one of the things that I also really appreciated about you when we had um, interactions on the Clubhouse audio app, because when I looked at your profile and I saw the things that you were doing to help to inspire, motivate, and just educate women in the Christian community, I was just so impressed. And I felt like it was a message that really would resonate with my audience. And then I also felt that it was something that was very needed to be spoken about. So I really appreciate your time and your willingness to share your own journey because I feel like others will absolutely resonate with the things that you have experienced. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I'm so happy to be here too. And I, I really would like to underscore what you just uh, touched on, which is that, you know, we are taught our entire lives that everything personal stays personal. And um, it does leave a sense of a woman feeling like she needs to suffer alone. So for me personally, when I was in my sexless marriage for those 12 years, uh, I did not feel like I could go and talk to anybody about it because I thought if I talked, then that would make Chuck look bad. And I did not want anyone to think negatively about Chuck because I love him. He's amazing. He's great in so many other ways. It's just that our sex life was the thing that, you know, was the suffering part. And so I just would go to bed crying almost every night. Um, I would pray. I would I would beg God to fix our situation. And um, it was hard. Like, it was hard. And I remember one time I was at church and I was at a women's Bible study and we were in a circle and everybody was going around asking for prayers. And, you know, the stuff that I was hearing from the other woman was, uh, oh, my my children, this, my children, that, oh, my ex-husband, this, my ex-husband, this, oh, money, this, money, that. But no one was talking about their today struggle with their their marriage. Every, and I saw everyone had their wedding ring on. And so, you know, it finally came to my turn. And I said, you know what? Uh, I, my husband and I are really struggling in, in our marriage. I, I don't have anyone to ask for prayer. Uh, I can't talk to my mom about this stuff because she's going to want to come and like fix everything. And I don't want that in my marriage. And so I have no one. And I said, is it okay if I ask for prayer over my marriage, even though no one else had asked, you know, for prayer uh, for their marriage. And my um, Bible study leader at that time was like, Oh, of course, of course. And uh, I was crying as I was saying that because it, it, it released and I felt a little freer in the fact that, oh, my gosh, I could actually have a little bit of support. Now, while I didn't go into what was actually happening, my tears and me opening up that way 
it actually inspired three other women. Three other women started to cry as I was crying. And they said, thank you for your share. We're also struggling. Would you also please add us to your list? And I was like, oh, my God. So it's crazy. Tasha, there are so many more women that are suffering in silence than we think that they are. And uh, uh -huh. another thing, too, that, that also is like the stigma is we think that the man is the one that always wants the sex and the woman is the one that doesn't. But the more that I'm talking about my own personal journey, which was me wanting the sex and my husband not, I'm actually finding that more women are coming forward saying, thank you for that piece of information. I used to think something was wrong with me because I was horny all the time. Like what? Something must be wrong with me if no other women's talking about this. <laughs> so. Right. I just feel like what you shared is just so absolutely valuable, especially the experience in the at church that you had. And I feel like oftentimes we have been kind of also programmed to give the surface response when it's special prayer time. It's, you know, like you said, you know, pray for my family, pray for this, pray for that. Not to say that God doesn't know our hearts and our specific needs, but I just feel like sometimes we do need to talk about the specifics because if we can't talk about the specifics within the safety of supposedly the church, then what are we even doing it for? Yeah, I agree. You know, so I wanted to switch gears really quickly to another topic that is, I'm sure, very taboo. And I'm sure you also have something to share about it. So the topic is Christianity and masturbation. How <laughs> masturbation become such an evil word in the Christian community? Take it away, Heather. Oh, I don't know if you're going to cut that out, but I always get excited at masturbation. Like I, <laughs> I love masturbating so much. Um, so let me tell you what, uh, and I'll, I'll circle back around, but I, I actually, when my parents got divorced, my mom took us <laughs> to a counselor. <laughs> it was a lady counselor. And the first thing that she says to me after, like, you know, I shared how it's making me feel and blah, blah, blah. She's like, how many times a week are you masturbating right now? And I was like, huh? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, like, don't you masturbate? I said, I have never touched myself. It's not allowed. And she's like, it's so good for you. And she was like trying to sell me on it, you know? So I basically like walked away from there uh, with her advice of I need to go home and masturbate. Okay, so I go outside and my mom is like, oh, how did it go? Like, um, do you feel better? Like, what did she say? And I said, yeah, the lady told me I should go home and masturbate. And again, same reaction like I told you from when I was a kid. She's like, what? I'll be right back. And she like goes in and all of a sudden I hear her screaming at the lady. How dare you tell my daughter to masturbate? Don't you know it's a sin and all of this kind of stuff? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. I and feel like our moms are like related, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they received the same God. handbook. I'm trying to tell you the same one. <laughs> oh my lord! So yeah, so I went went home feeling bad, you know. Meanwhile, I was 
secretly touching myself. I was like secretly touching myself at night, like all the time. And I, I didn't have an orgasm yet though. I just got really juicy and it felt really good. But as soon as like my legs started to twitch and like it kind of, I didn't really know like what it was because no one had explained to me, you know, again, we don't talk about that, you know, you'll find out when you get married. And married, that's (laughs) it. Yeah. And so I always stopped because at that point I felt the guilt come in like, oh, this is too much pleasure kind of a feeling. And uh-huh. so I just pushed it away or whatever. And so um, it wasn't until <clears throat> I had an amazing boyfriend and he actually went down on me and he was really, really good. Oh, was and- amazing. Let's just take a pause for that. Ooh. Amazing. Continue story. <laughs> I love men who love to eat a woman out. Uh, more men yeah. need to eat uh-huh. women's pussies like every day. Um, uh-huh. And so that was my first <laughs> orgasm. I feel like pussy eating is a ministry. Yes, <laughs> I think so too. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, honestly, and so I loved it. And so, yeah, but like my whole marriage, even I wasn't comfortable even touching myself in front of um, either of my husbands for like a really long time because even that I thought was like too dirty or something. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and and the pastors. Okay, this this is just coming to me right now. So. There's this one passage about um, Moses and he gets drunk and he goes in his tent and he falls asleep. And then like the next day, his sons find him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that passage, if you guys look it up, it doesn't say anywhere in there that Moses was touching himself. It says he got drunk, fell asleep in the tent. And the next day, his sons found him that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now from the pulpit, they say he was masturbating himself and his sons found him. And that was a sin. And that's basically like one of the scriptures that uh, the church uses to say that you shouldn't masturbate. Another one is um, lovers of themselves. Thou shalt not be. Yeah. Lovers of themselves. Okay. People of the church, stop taking stuff out of context. If you read that entire passage, it's talking about when you are doing things out of selfish behavior. It has uh-huh. nothing to do with masturbation. Okay. So uh-huh. I am like from that experience and from that knowledge that I have found for myself, I am pro masturbation all the way. And even inside my program, and when I get onto people's stages, even in the Christian community, I will be very honest if masturbation comes up and I will just give all of this information and it'll leave people silent. I literally, yeah, like it literally leaves people either silent or the men come in and say, you're opening up the, 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 the demons are going to come in. And so it's the men, it's the men that come back and say something. I didn't mean to laugh. I didn't mean to laugh, but it yeah, is so but true. It's true. And I'm like, dude, don't you want your woman to experience pleasure? You say you want to make your woman happy. Why, you know, this is going to make her happy and it's going to add to your sex life. Why would you only want just you to get off and then your woman not want sex? Don't you think if you would open up your stupid eyes and, and your hearts, to the fact that you don't, you know, you're wondering why your woman doesn't want you. Well, if you, you know, pleased her <laughs> and came to the bedroom to want to please her and to give her permission to touch herself, like you guys would be having more sex because now she's going to be 
you know, free. She's going to feel free in her spirit. And the adventure is just going to bubble out of her. So yeah, I can go on and on all day about that. Like literally I could talk for hours about masturbation, but I won't, but that's, that's like the main, <laughs> that's the main stuff that's coming to me right now. Well, I definitely appreciate it. And I just really feel like, again, this is a subject and a topic that will be surprising to some, but I just don't understand why, for example, God made all things beautiful, right? Initially yes. before sin came in. Yes. And God also wants us to enjoy life. And he wants us to enjoy, you know, what he has given us. And I feel like our bodies abundantly, Tasha, abundantly. Right. Yes. So if he wants me to enjoy life abundantly, then why can't I have bomb ass orgasms <laughs> and also go to heaven? Because they make it seem like it's like a multiple choice. You gotta pick one. And yes. if you pick the wrong one, then you are clearly going down the wrong path. And you know, you can kiss your family and your children and everybody goodbye because when Jesus comes, he's gonna be like, Listen, you had five too many orgasms. I can't even let you in. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we even talking about right here? I don't know. I just have an issue with it. Oh God. I can't I can't stop laughing. Well, you know what? Like Jesus gave us our clit. It's got 8,000 nerve endings. If God didn't want us to experience pleasure on our own, why did he give it to us and we can feel the pleasure when we touch ourselves? That's like a that's like stupid if you think that he didn't give that to you for pleasure so go exactly. and freaking, yeah go and freaking touch yourself man and like do it in front of the mirror and get all like sexy and steamy and like get to know your body because like the more you know your body and the more you love yourself and you appreciate and actually thank god that you can even feel pleasure when you touch yourself because not everyone can so when you say thank you jesus that i could bring this freaking orgasm down and now i know how to tell my husband how to do it if you know your body, you're going to have a better chance of having your husband bring an orgasm to you because now you could say, go to the left, go a little, little do it in a circle, go up and down, no over Ooh, there. Talk about like, the circle. Yeah. I feel like the circle is something that we don't talk about enough. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I just decided to talk about the circle real fast. I'm done. I was just saying, like, it's so important that you know your body, because when you know your body, then you can actually verbally have that strong voice in the bedroom to say, no, I don't like that. Like, stop wasting your time. <laughs> like, go over there and do that. So exactly. Exactly. Woo. You are dropping so many gems. <laughs> Heather, I am just so excited for this conversation. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is the intersection of Christianity, motherhood, and sexuality. And how do you come to a place where you feel like you can be close to God, be a good mom, and also have a good orgasm and not feel guilty about it? So, yeah, there's a lot of... Um there's a lot of belief around the fact that once you become a mom, that now you have to put the pleasure away. Who and started that foolishness? I don't know. It's stupid shit. But 
Um, sorry for cussing. Hopefully that's okay. That's um, okay. Jesus <laughs> loves so yeah, there's a belief. And again, I don't know where that came from, but it's been passed down from mother to mother to mother to mother, where it's like, now you have your kids and all your focus is solely on them and about them experiencing their abundant life. And the mom just gets put on the back burner for the rest of her life. Like maybe after the kids move out, you know, maybe I'll find myself again. Maybe I'll take a dance class again. Like maybe my husband and I will go away on a trip, you know, by ourselves, like after the kids move out, like you guys stop because 18 years of your life. Do you want to be sexless? Do you like, like want only, you know, your focus to be on your kids and then your husband's feeling ignored. I mean, it's not a good thing. And so the glue that holds the marriage together is the sex between a man and wife. And if a man and wife is putting their children first and not having sex, that marriage will more than likely end in divorce. So it mm. is not, it's not good. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you said absolutely resonates. And then just the part about how when we become a woman, that part of us has to die. One of the things that was told to me was where Paul talks about in Romans 6, that you're supposed to die to self. And the things that I don't want to do are the, are the things that I shouldn't do are the things I find myself doing. You know the part I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And so when Paul is talking about that in my particular religion, that is used to basically underscore the idea that you want to have orgasms or you want to masturbate or you want to do this or you want to do that. But basically none of it is right. And if any of it has anything or could lead to fornication or could lead to and then somewhere it says as a man thinketh. So is he. So now I don't even have to have an orgasm. Now all I got to do is think about it. And now I'm on the pathway to hell. I think that's problematic because it's like, where is grace? Yes. Where is love? Where is the part about relationship when it comes to God? What about how, you know, God loves the church. And so he goes about trying to find her, you know, and there's various different things, you know, in the story about Hosea, for example, how she does all kinds of foolishness. And each time he goes out because he loves her and he loves her back into basically um, a better or a different lifestyle. You know, where is that? You know, I feel like if the church would speak to the things that matter as far as intimacy in a way where it is practical in that I agree, you shouldn't be going out having illicit sex with all kinds of people when you're young and you're inexperienced, you know, because that can lead to all kinds of emotional um, problems that you have to unpack once you get, you know, to a place when you're with somebody that you actually want to build a life with. But to basically just say that you are never, ever supposed to have any kind of sexual um, feelings or sexual desires, or you're supposed to suppress them, even when you're married, you're supposed to suppress them, even when you become a mother, you're supposed to basically just ignore them and just focus solely on, you know, either being a wife or focus solely on the community service at the church, 
are right. focused solely on, you know, your children. It's like, where am I? Where is the woman left in the equation? You mm -hmm. know? And so that's the thing that I find to be problematic. And so that's why I feel like this conversation will be so useful and helpful to many. And again, I'm just so appreciative of your time. But before we wrap up, I wanted to say, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share with the audience that you wish someone would have told you quicker about your journey into a sexual fulfillment and sexual awareness? Mm, I would say that one of the lessons that I learned, um, especially during my sexless marriage, is when a couple has an issue and you go to talk to your spouse, you only need to talk to them one time. You don't need to go back and, you know, open that conversation again unless the other person wants to. And the reason why I say that is because for years, during those 12 years, I blamed my husband for everything. I treated him like crap. And um, I, I accused him of cheating. And <clears throat> I did all of these things that ended up pushing him away and actually turning him off. And so there is a verse, it's in Proverbs somewhere, that talks about how it's better to live on the corner of a roof of a house than with a nagging wife. And when God showed that verse to me, I felt like it shone this light on how I was acting as a wife towards my husband. And so it wasn't all my husband's fault. Yes, outwardly, he was saying no to me sexually, but inwardly for him, I had been, you know, shutting him down as a man questioning his manhood, making him feel less of a man, like he like he had a problem, like something was dysfunctionally or physically wrong with him. And so he felt rejected all of those years for other reasons that then led to the sexlessness. And so uh, if there's one thing I could share with you guys is, you know, we're going to have issues in a marriage or any relationship, um, but please, you know, come to a communication Agree that you're not going to bring it up or push on it again and allow the person to think about it and then, you know, give them that space to come back because that will then free them up to uh, not feel pushed away uh, sexually. Wow. That is really heavy and it's very useful, honestly, especially I feel like in my own dynamic, I can do better about that. I tend to do a lot of reiterating. I don't know why. I think part of it is just my overall conditioning as far as being a journalist. You want to make sure that your audience gets whatever the topic is. And I understand that my partner is not my audience, but at the same time, I want to be intentional about my communication. And in doing so, I know I can be very redundant and rhetorical. And I know that can get on every single one of his nerves. I'm working to correct it. I am aware of it. Um, but again, it's something that's just so a part of me and my personality that it's like, okay, we might've talked about it in the morning, but in the afternoon or the evening, I'm going to be like, you know, we talked about so and forth. Do you have any <laughs> new thoughts and feelings about it? And it's just like, uh, no, I do not. <laughs> we talked about this. And you then, know what? Um, um, 
you you realize we've now talked about this two, three times now, but I'll go ahead and talk about it again. Is there something else that you want to add? And it's like, no, I just want to know that you're thinking about it as much as I am. You know what? Us women are nurturers by nature. And so when we're raising our kids, it's up to us as the mom, you know, from very young uh, years ago. I mean, this is just how all moms have been where if, you know, a situation needs to be uh, changed or altered, you know, we're normally the ones that are redirecting and saying, hey, like you need to do this so that you get over here. And so we're, we're constantly uh, doing that. And so then we can actually easily turn to our men and do the same thing. But they're not young boys anymore. They don't actually need a mom at this point in their life. They need a helpmate. And um, they need somebody to respect their manhood. And so while they want to know what's on our hearts, like they care about that. If we do it too much, then it's going to look like we're, you know, attacking them, making them feel less of a man and like we're becoming their mom. And they and they just don't they just don't like that. And we just have to trust that they heard us and we have to be patient in the timing of when they actually decide to take action on it. It might not be in our timing and we have to be okay with that. If it was us, we know that we would probably get it done quicker because that's just us as women. But, you know, for men, they're a little bit slower on the action part. And so they're, they tend to think a little bit longer before they actually put the action in. So if we tend to understand that about our guys, you know, we're going to have a lot more smoother of a relationship for sure. Absolutely. Well, this has just been an incredible conversation. I'm just so thankful for you and for your time. And before we end, if you would share with the audience where they can find you on social media or on the internet, please do so. Because I'm sure there's going to be a ton of Christian women that want to get all of the resources that you have to offer. Yes. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So I am on Instagram and Clubhouse. My handle is Sex Coach Heather. So you can find me there. Um, I also have a program that I created four years ago that has been helping uh, women to uh, step away from that guilt and shame around sex that we learn from church and culture so that they can actually feel free in their enjoyment of sex, uh, actually be given permission to orgasm uh, 12 different ways, which uh, women can, yes, actually orgasm 12 different ways. And so I uh, go into that with my program. And then I also help women in sexless marriages and um, restoring that emotional connection. So of course, if you guys are needing help in that way, just let me know when you reach out to me that you heard me on Tasha's podcast and we can talk about that. Amazing. That sounds so great. Thank you so much. And those offerings are absolutely needed. So again, I am Tasha Ray, and I am the host of Womanhood Decoded, where each week we endeavor to discuss the intersections of womanhood, sexuality, and motherhood. And I am just so excited for our next conversation. Until then, peace, love, happiness, and this week, orgasms. <laughs>